Welcome to Guilty Treasures, a podcast about everything you ever loved and were afraid to talk about. I'm your host, Ann Kern. And I'm also your host, Emily Cardamus. And this week, we have on my friend Bria, who's an incredible artist, uh, incredible human being, but she brought maybe the most <laughs> cursed topic uh, that I was, granted, thrilled about, but she talked about cats the 2019 movie and just the movie really like not really didn't get into like the musical stuff at all really just more focusing on the sort of beautiful travesty of this cgi nightmare i think this is probably our first intro where we say complimentary things about the guest and then it ends in but Uh, (laughs) (laughs) although i mean i think it's fair if you're going to unleash uh the cat's film on the listening audience then there there has to be a little bit of a caveat a little bit of a warning before Mm -hmm. before you dive in and i want to like put a preface on it that like i think the heart of the show is celebration Mm -hmm. and even though um this is a movie that was sort of universally panned i also think it typifies the sort of so bad it's good kind of mentality yeah so i mean we definitely there's definitely some razzing but i i think it gets into some really lovely sincere places like like we try to do there's a a very careful very specific territory in which you can dunk on something but do so joyfully uh and in a way that is not necessarily disrespectful to the people who chose to be involved with it and i think that's that's where we land right in that little little gap yeah yeah it's not so much punching up or down and more just like dancing with it a little bit (laughs) with some fancy footwork tap dancing yeah just doing a musical number with (laughs) the fact that this film is not great exactly (laughs) and just for the record if you have not seen the film or potentially have not seen the stage show or maybe didn't read the t.s Eliot poem book uh and you are concerned about spoilers for some reason you don't really need to be concerned about spoilers i mean certainly talk about some things that happen in the film we do roughly go through the plot but i don't think that it's going to negatively impact your future viewing it's one of those things where like spoilers you don't know the the entire like beautiful context and build up mm-hmm. of the spoiler so it really means nothing out of context yeah yeah it may not mean a lot in context for that <laughs> but it's probably just things that you've already seen in gifs or articles about this film so far so yeah probably nothing to worry about if, if you were particularly spoiler phobic but with that let's get right into the conversation Thank you so much for taking the time to come on and talk to us tonight. Well, it is it is my pleasure and my honor. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you would like, could you introduce yourself, uh, talk a little bit about what you do, and then introduce the topic that you brought to talk about today? Sure. Uh, my name is Bria. I am a digital artist online uh, at The Void and More. And in my like daily life, I'm a project manager at a screen printing company. I work at a distillery and I like to make dumb puns on the internet. And today we're talking about Cats 2019 directed by Tom Hooper. <laughs> Specifically Cats 2019, because I have not seen the original and I have no intentions to. I was going to say, I was going to say, like, when we had talked about you wanting to talk about Cats, or when I basically a little bit strong-armed you into talking about Cats, I wasn't sure if you were going to bring, like, the entirety of Cats or just the movie. And I'm very excited that it's just the movie. It, it is just the movie. As I explained to my one friend, Cody, uh, I have no interest in Cats if it's good. <laughs> 
Hmm. Just, I'm not. I'm not interested. I don't. I don't know that you would then be severely disappointed by the stage show, to be honest, which I have seen. <laughs> oh, good. Okay, so we have some cats context. <laughs> We're working with something. For those, I would hazard to say, someone listening to this podcast would not be aware of the 2019 phenomenon, Cats, the movie. But for someone who might not be aware, um, far flung in the future, who is listening to this podcast, maybe like give like a brief summary, maybe a brief mm. synopsis. If possible. Mm, of, of the plot of, or the phenomenon? <laughs> uh, you know what? That's up to you. Okay. Well, Cats 2019 is a musical spectacular with a bunch of uh, eclectic famous people such as Idris Elba, Taylor Swift, in Ian McKellen and Rebel Wilson uh, CGI'd to look like cats that are mostly just naked people and they are in a terrible movie. <laughs> Uh, I guess I can try to describe the plot, but the thing about cats is there isn't really a plot. Luckily in the movie, there's like a, a character insert for the audience named Victoria, but basically Victoria is abandoned in an alley and then meets a bunch of cats that call themselves the Jellicles. And they're kind of a cult that then throughout the movie will perform songs about their true cat essence. And they perform all of these songs for Judy Dench. And then she decides which cat is the truest of the Jellicles. And then all of the Jellicles watch that cat fly up in an air balloon to die uh, at the heavy side layer as a great honor. And that's the movie. <laughs> So there's, there's no way to describe this film without it sounding like you and your friends got extremely, extremely high on something very exotic and just completely blasted. made this up just like as a, as a joke. Like this was not even like trying to make it up to be a real thing, but trying to make just the weirdest thing you possibly could. I think maybe Andrew Lloyd Webber was like, let's see what terrible thing that I can make to the point where they stop letting me make things. And it didn't, and they didn't. work. Yeah, it did not. Just, it did not work. No, it's no. still here, and we have to process it as a collective community, whether we want to or not. It's an exercise in empathy and coping mechanisms. <laughs> So I guess maybe my first question, since I, I, I have heard some description of the plot of this film, I have not seen the film version. I've only mm -hmm. seen the stage show. I have read the book as well, the, the book of poems that it was based on originally. Sure. Some T.S. Eliot. Yes. I've read the T.S. Eliot book. I was very into Cats the Musical for about three months at one point when I was very young. So I want to know, since you have not seen the stage show, so you didn't have that like revelatory musical theater experience where you thought it was really good, then right. I'm curious about what made you go to the theater? Were you dare? by your friends were oh, you just oh no. so intrigued you had to go <laughs> like what what was your your backstory for your first experience of this film so the moment that the trailer dropped that first trailer on twitter where everyone just couldn't stop sharing it about how horrified they were i knew that i wanted to see it and then i just kind of forgot about it for a while but there's this phenomena of terrible things like when the sonic trailer came out and everyone was like oh my god we have to see the terrible teeth hog or i saw a <laughs> saw the Cats trailer and I was like, you know what? We might as well. In 2019 and 2020, 
might as well just experience this. What else is there? <laughs> um, so I actually went to go see an opening night. I dragged oh two gosh. of my friends and we split a pitcher of margaritas beforehand. <laughs> and one of them has been a like Cats fan from the very beginning, knew all of the words, was harmonizing and dancing through the whole thing. And the other one just really likes dancing. And it was us three in the theater. And then this dad who fell asleep and his like 17 year old daughter who we invited to come sit with us because her dad clearly did not want to be there oh my god um, and then there were four teens that came in late watched about 30 minutes of it and then all stood up and left because this is clearly not what they were wanting to experience <laughs> and it was great i started laughing the moment that the first like demented synth notes start playing when victoria is discarded in a bag and i didn't stop until memory was sung and then i cried because i cried everything and then i kept laughing until the end when judy dench breaks the fourth wall and asks you if you know how to address cats which is a thing that happens wait that actually happens uh, uh... yeah the final song spoilers if you're interested in seeing cats without <laughs> plot context um judy dench at the end old deuteronomy is her her cat name or at least one of her three cat names as every cat has three names that's her jellicle name she uh turns to stare at the audience for probably three minutes without a cut and sings about how to properly address cats there's a lyric where the whole chorus sings a cat is not a dog in case we had forgotten and then in the background the like three actors were clearly just given no direction and are just kind of like licking their lips and like rubbing on each other and just like staring at the camera it's extremely unsettling <laughs> this sounds like a fever dream yeah it's a beautiful powerful nightmare ballet <laughs> and i have never loved anything more i have so many questions and i don't know where to start because i have questions about the like content of the film and then i also just have questions about like my mental health <laughs> <laughs> I think more generally, like, so you mentioned, like, when the trailer dropped, there was kind of that phenomenon of, like, oh, this is really bad. I have to go see it. Is that something that you do fairly often? Or was this kind of, like, a very isolated incident? I mean, I suppose when I see something that looks, like, interesting and also not super well done, I'll, like, consider it. But I'm not interested in seeing things that are bad just because they're bad. I think what I really like about Cats and, and Sonic kind of falls into this as well but this isn't the sonic episode is this idea that like everyone in this movie is going really hard like everybody is taking themselves very seriously and trying very hard like even james corden is trying and like giving it his all jason derulo gives a wonderful performance and this idea of just like unbridled enthusiasm for making something that is an absolute horror and affront to god is beautiful <laughs> and makes me feel better because even if my things are bad i'm giving it my all and isn't that what counts isn't that what art is it makes you feel something so i think i don't know just the idea of people just really going for it even if it's hot garbage is beautiful to me and i really enjoy it so since you saw it opening night have you seen the film more than once did you see it after the special effects had been revised oh yeah i saw i saw the uncut cats the original cats and then <laughs> i saw the 
updated version. Uh, I've seen it five times <laughs> since oh it came gosh, out, which is probably too many. I rewatched it today to prepare, and it is just as I remembered it being. I didn't actually know, like, the issues that I noticed before they updated, like, the VFX in the first one are still kind of there in the second one. Like, there are a few dance numbers where the dancers are clearly just, like, not touching the floor in the cockroach and mouse dance scene during Jenny Any Dot's performance, which is Rebel Wilson. Like, you can see that the cockroach dancers, which are just women in weird cockroach outfits that Rebel Wilson swallows alive at one point, they're just, like, not touching the cake that they are dancing on all throughout. So, like, some things were fixed, but it's still cats. Oops, all cats, baby. (laughs) (laughs) I was gonna say, do you have, like, a weird attachment to, like, the original uncut uh, version with all of the VFX mistakes that now you'll like never be able to quite see again? You know, I think it was a beautiful singular experience but I, it didn't actually impact like my viewing that much. I feel like there's there's so much about the film to think about that Judy Dench's wedding ring being on her nod, non-furred hand or like people's collars and necks shifting underneath their heads because of the visual effects. You know, that's part of it. But it's not all of it. It's not the whole picture. (laughs) It's a small detail on the cat's tapestry. It's just another part of cat's lore. But isn't that what counts? (laughs) The deep lore about cats. Can, Can we talk about your journey maybe the first time watching the film like what was the headspace you were in when you walked into the theater in terms of your expectations and did your expectations or the way that you were relating to the film was there some point in the movie or some character who came on that you genuinely felt like you had an emotional connection with like was there a moment where what you thought you were going to do responding to the film became different so I didn't have any expectations because I had no experience with cats I knew nothing about it I didn't know any of the cats names nothing like that. So I was just kind of, this is going to sound so hippy dippy, but I was very open (laughs) to the experience of whatever it was going to be. Uh, But I kind of knew that it was going to be like silly and dumb, but that's fun to do. And this is an embarrassing confession that I'm about to make to both of you and your (laughs) listening audience. I have a photo pulled up on my computer right now to fill the other side of my screen. And it is of the one character that I truly love in this film, which is uh, Skim Shanks the railway cat. <laughs> he is the perfect cat. He is the love of my life. And like I went into the movie, I was like, haha, stupid music numbers. Look at the cats dancing. Oh, they're pretty, t-. you know, it was like fine. And then this cat with a giant whistle and a terrible mustache and bright red pants comes on and starts tap dancing. And I was so invested. It is, his song is such a bop. It rips, it slaps, it does everything. And I really, at this point, only watch the movie so that I can watch Skimble Shanks' musical number. (laughs) (laughs) There are only two things in the movie I really care about, and it's Skimble Shanks' musical number, and every time Idris Elba, who is McCavity, who is the evil cat, the Napoleon of crime, says something as soon as he whisks someone away magically onto a cat pirate ship to foil their efforts to be the Jellicle choice. So... 
throughout the movie, like, someone will perform a song, we get it, and then McCavity will show up, and he'll, like, trick them to approach him, and then he'll use his cat magic to make them disappear to hold them hostage, but he'll always say a catchphrase, but the catchphrases make no sense, so he'll be like, ineffable, and then make someone disappear, or he one point just goes, meow, and then make someone disappear, <laughs> But it's Idris Elba, and he looks extremely naked as a cat, and it's really, that's what I'm here for. <laughs> how much Idris do you think, and Shanks. Like, if you, if you did the math, I'm really curious, how much money did Elba get paid just to say, like, ineffable if you were to if you were to split that movie <laughs> like right. somehow line by line. Like, money line, per line catchphrase line. yeah <laughs> I, I miss being oh. curious <laughs> you know what more money than i have is the only answer i can fathom i mean he he's great in his musical number two but most of his lines are just like saying puss in spats at james corden like disparagingly and then six cats i think he makes disappear and then his musical number and then it the end when he's trying to get to the heavy side layer with the jellical choice so he doesn't have a lot of lines in the movie now that i really think about it so probably a lot per catchphrase i guess is the <laughs> tldr a good amount of cash a fat stack see i'm i'm glad you brought up skimble shanks the railway cat because as someone who has who has barely any knowledge of cats and who has not seen this movie what i have seen is everyone online yelling about skimble shanks the railway mm -hmm. cat he's great well so the guy that plays him i don't actually know his name but he is an incredible dancer like everyone in the movie is pretty talented as far as dancing goes but this guy is just like unbelievable and there's a lot of like syncopation and like train motifs that sync up with the song because he's a railway cat and at one point like his big kind of climax of the song i guess it's not the climax but he sings that he's a cat that cannot be ignored and it's just very <laughs> he's just like happy and he takes care of the trains and he wears pants and no one's quite sure why some of the cats wear shoes some don't some have human feet it's a whole thing i hate that mm. sentence you've just said uh -huh. <laughs> breakdancing cats with like converse on and then the rest no. of them are just like barefoot it's really cool the choices that the visual <laughs> effects team made for the movie just like all the choices great i don't know if you guys saw this but there were a bunch of articles rolling around uh, where jason derulo talked about how they cgi'd out his dick in the movie i do uh, remember that yes mm, that's a wonderful thing for me to think about they really emphasize taylor swift's chest as well when she sings her number just a lot of body stuff happening <laughs> i do have to ask because again i feel like i've only heard like lore like lore on the wind about this movie is Are there you about a... to ask about the butthole cut i'm not gonna ask about the butthole <laughs> okay. cut but okay. i mean <laughs> i was gonna ask is there a cat that like takes off its skin Yes, that's Rebel Wilson's cat, Jenny Annie Dot. Uh, uh -huh. She does it twice in the movie. Okay, she why? unzips. Twice. Yeah, twice. So in her her main number, she unzips her skin to reveal a um, like a fancy dance outfit, like an ice skating pink dance what? outfit for her performance, and that is Chekhov's skin unzipping because it's then a plot device later to uh, escape what? Growl Tiger, the Jellical. Oh, I guess he's not a Jellical. The cat pirate that has captured them with Macavity. Um, yeah, that is a thing that does uh, occur. Can confirm. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I have seen enough of that uh, 
the one the Jenny Any Doubt sequence that I am not sure that I could survive it's this awful. film. I don't I don't think I can make it through that scene because I I, I just saw those I saw those sexy lady cockroaches oh. and <laughs> I, I mean I I want to ask about there seems to be a concerning inconsistency in the size of basically everything in this film because yes what size are the what is happening there I don't know if you can answer this question <laughs> I, I just want to know if this is something that bothers you because I it bothered me in the little clips that I've seen it bothers me very much because the size in the Jenny any dot scene is relatively consistent but still troubling so it's really noticeable in two parts one is when Skimbleshanks is doing his number all the cats will tap dance with him out of the cat themed abandoned bar that they are in I think it's called the Egyptian onto railway tracks where you can see the city of London in the background but they look like they are mice sized tap dancing the scale is super off but it's even worse during Bustopher Jones's number which is James Corden first of all they made James Corden wear a fat suit and I don't know why that needed to happen or why we need to make James Corden feel worse but that happened his whole thing is that he's fat which kind of sucks uh Andrew Lloyd Webber let's not do that yeah yeah. a lot of fat jokes throughout it which is my least favorite part of the film but he eats food throughout the whole song and the food looks like the fake play-doh food that you would get as a kid like the kind that would like velcro into play sets and it is very large and then very small but they're interacting with like walls and ramps and trash cans that are not proportional to the food it just looks bad <laughs> it's, it's very unsettling all of it to look at because this the scale changes constantly and you just never know what to do about it <laughs> I still don't know what to do about it. <laughs> Just have to accept it, I guess. <laughs> what really, really troubles me about the cat's world that I haven't stopped thinking about is that so people exist in this world. In the very opening scene with Victoria, you see a silhouette of a woman that then like abandons her cat, Victoria. So there are people, but everything in the world is cat themed that we see so like there's a milk bar that jason derulo's character rum tum tugger does a dance scene in and the bar that they're in for the jellicle ball is the egyptian and it's cat themed and all the neon signs are about like milk and cats and i'm just i'm just very confused about if this is like a cat london that people also exist in and there's a dog that's in the movie that we never see and does the dog look like the cat people or like people there's just a lot of questions that we'll never get answers to unless they give us a sequel (laughs) and i don't even know how you would because like there's not a sequel to the musical no there is not no there is not i would love a cats too (laughs) there was a dark part of my heart and that you were about to be like actually there is one and i was gonna like flip out no no. there's that train musical that he yeah yeah i was going to say i would say i would argue potentially starlight express is a sequel to cats <laughs> it is a spiritual sequel to cats it is have you seen it i have i saw i paid money to see starlight express in a oh theater God. in an actual theater a live performance <laughs> like a broadway cast performance of starlight express how is it 
I know we're off um, topic, but I need to know. <laughs> it is extremely bad, uh, but it is also bad in exactly the way that you would want it to be bad. Um, so, like, if you if you're kind of into the really the very specific awkward '80s sci-fi aesthetic that largely involved like children doing rollerblade battles, then this is definitely <laughs> the musical fuck? for you. Um, it so doesn't make cool. any sense at all. It doesn't really try to make any sense at all. It just you know it is it is a very dangerous show to perform as I understand it because they are on rollerblades the entire they time um, they are yes and there are like ramps and stuff and they kind of do some some tricks like in the, in the course stunts? of it yeah they do some stunts it's kind of like wow. that um, that one segment in uh, Hook if it was all like neon and, and was the length of a musical okay so next week you and I will switch roles and you'll be the guest <laughs> on the show and you're going to talk about the Starlight Express <laughs> I, I admit that I saw this a very very long time ago so I, I don't know how how totally accurate my memory of Starlight Express is, but I don't really want to test it. There's there's no time like the present for a refresh. That's all I'm saying. We got plenty of time, baby. Let's do it. I have been since Cats was so successful. I have been on Twitter demanding the Starlight Express film because I, I think if this is the direction we're going, let's just embrace it. Let's just go all yeah, the way. Whole you know? hog. Let's do it. Train musical. Sexy trains in love, guys. I mean, we might as well. It's what the internet wants. It's what the internet deserves, quite frankly. And hey, Skimbleshanks could reprise his role, so everybody's happy. He could be the narrator. Pitch, we rewrite the musical. Skimbleshanks is the narrator, talking about the trains in love. Andrew Lloyd Webber, just call us. <laughs> Andrew, hit us up. <laughs> We're ready. Fan fiction written. I'm on it. I do want to ask, though, like, have you had any desire to, like, dig deeper into the, like, Cats universe? Or even, like, on, like, periphery stuff, like Starlight Express? Or are you kind of just like really content with your experience with the movie itself? I'm good. <laughs> I mean, like, if the opportunity presented to go see Starlight Express when we are allowed out of our homes once more, right. I wouldn't. I wouldn't turn it down probably but just knowing that this insular thing exists the way that it does and makes people react the way that it does is like plenty it's one of those things that you can just you know every few months be like oh, that was a thing that happened in this world and maybe you can revisit it maybe not put it in a little box in the back of your mind and just never open it ever again <laughs> <laughs> Except that you've seen the film five times, so you have reopened the box. You know, I don't have a lot of self-control. <laughs> this is this is the act of putting it into the box. I'll have the podcast episode, and then I'll never have to deal with it again. This is how you're ridding yourself of the curse that is cats. I'm purging myself of the jellicles. <laughs> Well, it's, it's definitely a thing. Like, I'm not the only one that has experienced this. Like, I don't want to like cats. I really don't. But it haunts me. Like, I woke up this morning with the Jellicle Ball song stuck in my head and I hadn't seen the movie in months. <laughs> I think uh, Kate Leth and Cohen, who are two, like, pretty Twitter famous folks that are dating, uh, Kate writes a comic about their relationship and she did a whole series on cats and how they just 
can't stop thinking about cats and analyzing the lyrics of McCavity's song because Bomblerina, who's Taylor Swift, singing about McCavity calls him the Napoleon of crime and says that he's broken every human law. And so now we have to think about the ramifications of McCavity breaking every human law in this human cat world and what that means for McCavity as a character. And I just can't, I just can't shake it. I feel very upset. <laughs> It's like looking at an eldritch horror and just like being drawn further and further into it sure. to madness. Yes. You really have to do grapple with the fact that if that is the case, McCavity has committed murder. Yes. And arson and embezzlement and tax evasion. And like grand theft auto, like public nudity. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> tax evasion is probably the the most worrying one at this point since I, I guess all the cats are kind of nude in the film already yeah well except for skimble shanks do cats pay taxes in this world <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's why there's so many cat themed uh signs and everything because they're carrying most of the tax burden they're a well-funded socialist cat society i love it <laughs> back in they just have to send someone to the heavy side layer once a year <laughs> and kill them and that will i guess keep the order and give that Jellicle a new life? So yeah, like, do you think you reborn? What the hell is with that? <laughs> so the the concept from what I understand is the cat goes to the heavyside layer and is the Jellicle choice and is reborn in a new life. And so it's very, it's supposed to be a very emotional moment when uh, Grizabella, who I haven't even mentioned, spoilers again, is chosen as the Jellicle choice because she has been like discarded and lived like a very sad life and she is sort of pity chosen as the Jellicle choice because of her beautiful song Memory to ride up in a makeshift magic hot air balloon made out of a chandelier to the sky where she presumably dies and then will come back as a new cat. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, that's what I got for you. <laughs> it's, there is a great moment when she is rising in the clouds as this like crescendo plays and you think the movie's going to end at this point she passes through the clouds and a cat face appears in the clouds and winks at you like a musical cue and then you think ah yes the perfect poetic ending to the film she's gone to the heavy side layer everybody's made friends the weird heterosexual romance has happened all right we're done and then there's that whole song where judy dench just stares at you as old deuteronomy and sings about cat names for four minutes and then the movie ends we got off topic but that... <laughs> no we're still on topic okay i, I, I don't know if we can stay on i i mean yeah there's just a lot to cover can we rewind to heterosexual romance because i do not think that that was in the musical yes so from my understanding in the musical there's a lot of subtext between rum tum tugger and mr mistopheles right like they're kind of mm -mm, yeah uh, in the movie that's super not a thing and mistopheles is is this very so Mr. Mistopheles is a magical cat for those without context uh, he has a whole song he can perform magic like McCavity except he's good but he is very sort of like bumbling and insecure and anxious and he and Victoria who is uh, Francesca Hayward who is the main white cat that a lot of people have seen have a weird romance throughout the movie but romance of this movie just means that they like rub heads a lot and like do a lot of heavy breathing but that's every cat 
it's a very horny film, but they're implied <laughs> to be, like, together because they rub faces a lot. I'm just, I think I'm, I'm, I'm at a loss for words, but yeah, I'm also, like, fair. just trying to think about, like, how this movie got made, <laughs> generally. Someone looked at this movie and was like, yeah, that's good. <laughs> I mean, Tom Hooper did Les Mis, and that was pretty successful, and I think Cats is the longest running Broadway musical, so it pulls in that money. I can't speak to any of the other choices, <laughs> but I was watching the DVD extras today, because that's not, I guess not DVD, the digital download extras, and there's a whole segment about how they hired a cat behavior expert to come on set and teach everyone how to like move and act like cats and they called it was it cat camp i think yeah, is what they called I it i heard vaguely about this and it's just like they spent money on that someone was like we should bring in a cat behavior expert and good for her to teach jason derulo and rebel wilson how to rub faces like cats and Taylor Swift is so excited to be there because Taylor Swift loves cats as a species. Maybe not the musical. I don't know. <laughs> and it's just like three minutes of all of these celebrities in leotards just arching their backs and like adjusting their shoulders sensually and then just like brushing faces and like nose booping each other. And that's just like a thing that the studio was like, yep, this is a great idea. We love this. Let's do it. Let's spend money on it yeah <laughs> i love it but oh no <laughs> maybe i do have a question here which i guess is boy this is this is a tough one because I, I i sort of wanted to say like do you think that it was improved by the addition of a plot but you haven't seen the musical so you wouldn't really have a comparison point so i guess let's instead pretend you are an executive and you have been shown a rough cut of this film what if you had to pinpoint if you had to turn to tom hooper and tell him Yes, this part is good. Like, do you do you know which parts you would you would pinpoint for him of like this is what makes this film work for me as a person, even if it doesn't work as a film, which I'm doing in air quotes, but you can't see because this is a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I could feel it. I could hear it. I mean, Skimble Shanks, but we've talked about it. What in the film is working? That's a great question. <laughs> I mean, even the, the default answer that you would expect, which would be memory, which is like the peak, beautiful, emotional moment. Someone decided to have Jennifer Hudson just like snot cry through that song. And so I still I still cried during that moment. She's a very talented woman with a beautiful voice. But like even that, I don't agree with the directing choices because I feel like it would have been better if she didn't have snot like rolling down her cat face but i mean the dancing's beautiful the choreography a plus 100 percent amazing beautiful talented dancers that was really working for me tap dance love it and skimble shanks those are the things <laughs> there you go <laughs> so i guess the follow-up is is there anything in this film that you would change or is it perfect as it is like is there is there any even a tiny thing you would have turned to tom hooper and said maybe another pass on this Oh gosh, that's a great question. It's very perfect in the way that it exists as just having so many questions around it. I think if I were to change something, I mean, maybe Rebel Wilson unzipping her skin. 
Um, <laughs> probably take out all of the fat jokes. Those aren't awesome. I feel like there are ways to sing Bustopher Jones's song without being like, haha, look at the two fat people. They're fat. Isn't it funny? It's not. And then there are three moments in the film, maybe two, where someone kicks a cat in the nuts. They're like nut shots oh, God. for a laugh. <laughs> Why? And I don't like to get out of a to get out of a gnarly situation. They're like, let's kick this cat in the nuts. And I just feel like it's better than that. Maybe it's not. Maybe <laughs> I just want it to be. But I don't think we need nut shots. And, you know, there's a lot of testicle humor, too. Rebel Wilson jokes that Jason Derulo's character, Rum Tum Tugger, has been neutered because he can sing really high notes. I feel like the comedy jokes, the comedy jokes as opposed to the tragedy <laughs> jokes, which we experience, uh, could have used a second pass. The song's fine casting love it dancing keep up the good work boys but maybe any of the text that they inserted to create a plot could have used a second second go around in the writer's room to have it be funny and not just upsetting <laughs> tbh could have used another writer in the room or just kept it to all maybe it was better without a plot you know what maybe we didn't need the plot maybe the plot can go in the garbage it's fine <laughs> Speaking of second passes, or just multiple passes in general, I we do need to circle back around to the butthole cut. Like sure. we need, like, and I I don't even really have a question off of that. Just like the fact that, like, does it exist? Is it real? I want to think of the butthole cut like the PP tape. Um, <laughs> and that I God, I hope that it is real and it exists for people to consume <laughs> but at the same time i desperately don't want it to be real for the sake of everybody's sanity that said the butthole cut i almost said the butthole myth <laughs> the butthole <laughs> lore is uh apparently so it's not that they actually added butthole so for those of you that are listening that have no idea what we're talking about there was a article passed around that there's a secret cut of cats before the one that made it to theaters where there were buttholes on all of the cats that they then had to edit out on a second pass through apparently it wasn't actually like intentional buttholes i said buttholes so much <laughs> uh apparently because of the way the like texturing on the vfx worked under the tail it sometimes looked like the cats had buttholes or prominent vulvas, I believe is how it was described no. in the article I read. And so in certain moments when the tech would like kind of texture like that, they had to manually go in and paint out all of that to make it look more seamless and smooth. So I don't know if the butthole cut really exists. It's not as enticing and as exciting as we might believe it to be, but maybe that's just what they want us to think. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's I'm a the... butthole truther. <laughs> it's out there somewhere. It does make more sense that it was like semi glitch with the fur shader and the directionality of the fur shader in the VFX versus someone made the artistic decision to add buttholes to all of these these people dressed as cats versus someone texturing a butthole for Idris Elba. Yes, I agree. <laughs> Because he already looks 
so naked. Like, I cannot <laughs> emphasize how naked Idris Elba looks as McCavity. And I think it's because his fur color matches his, like, actual skin tone so well. And it's all that color. So when the musical number hits, he drops his fur coat because some cats have coats and some cats don't. I don't understand. But he drops his dramatic coat and then does, like, a huge dance number. But you can see the definition in his thighs and in his calves and on his like ab muscles and it just looks like Idris Elba is naked and dancing with cat ears. I'm not sure. I I hate that. I will say I hate that. I mean, me too, but also I don't hate it. <laughs> <laughs> the duality there there are two cats inside of you. Sure. <laughs> They're both macavity. <laughs> So I I have to believe that someone would go so far as to make Idris Elba look that naked, but not so far as to intentionally give him a fake cat butthole, I guess is the moral of the story. I guess we'll never know. (laughs) There's some possibility that if they had done that, if they had intentionally added them in, that there, at least some of these celebrities, because they're such big stars, that there would have been something in their contract (laughs) that would have given them final approval over the butthole artistic choices. Like, that that is absolutely something that they probably would have had to negotiate. Oh my god! Which is an alarming possibility. (laughs) (laughs) Taylor Swift has specifications for what her butthole is and isn't allowed to look like. Someone has to show some possibilities for their approval. It's worrying. Two (laughs) two butthole revisions allowed. (laughs) (laughs) Anymore, we're gonna have to charge you extra. (laughs) That's how I handle freelance, and I think that makes sense for buttholes too. just how you do it as, a, as an artist you know when when you're commissioning an artist always think about it as if you were asking them for butthole revisions and uh you'll you'll be able to work it out and tip your artists accordingly based on that product please and thanks i do have to wonder though like so if we're we're accepting the premise that the buttholes were real and maybe they were and maybe they weren't but you gotta believe i don't know if they would have gotten final say maybe it depends on your fame because jason derulo apparently didn't really get a final say in his penis size as Rum Tum Tugger and you would think that just while you're in that zone you might as well like flip the texture around or however they did it I'm not a 3D artist obviously (laughs) but I don't know how much of a say they had in it like I bet Taylor Swift had some final say because she shows up for one scene and then is never seen again in the movie man I don't know (laughs) I can't imagine being the lawyer on this this project (laughs) and handling this we have Jason Derulo on the phone about the size of his manhood uh <laughs> need to refer him to someone hey, hey uh uh tom uh jason's calling back we've got an issue again with the uh bolt <laughs> oh man jason derulo is such a delight in this movie though like that can't be that can't be overemphasized he sings so well he looks like he's having more fun than anybody else in the whole movie and it's so wonderful <laughs> You said that and my instinct was just, I'm so happy for him. I Listen, me too. Jason Derulo deserves to just have a good time. I think the way that we think about like Hugh Jackman not wanting to play Wolverine anymore and just wanting to be in his musicals because it makes him happy. Jason Derulo, maybe he just wants to do some fun stuff for a bit, you know? And he got to enjoy that and I'm really happy for him. I also learned recently that Hugh Jackman was offered multiple roles in this and 
turned them down. Oh, no. Well, he's already played one cat character, I guess, and that was enough. Who did he play? Wolverine. What do you mean? Oh, a cat. Oh, Wolverine, Wolverine is, is not a cat. a cat. Yeah, they're there, aren't they? They're big cats. Mm, I don't are Wolverines think... not cats? I thought they were like a separate thing. Maybe they're... I thought uh... they were kind of like badgers. Well... Oh no! Oh okay, yeah, I'm looking this up. Right, we're okay, gonna no, please. we're we're solving this. They might be canids, actually. Now, see, now I'm. Oh, they could be in one of those offshoot branches. That's kind of neither. I'm googling. I'm looking to see what uh what what they are in. What is their genus? He did have claws, and he technically he... kind of had like hair ears. So no, you're right. You're the Mustavalli you're valid. are a family of carnivorous mammal mammals, including weasels, badgers, otters, ferrets, martens, minks and wolverines, among others. Ah, okay. All right. So they are in the badger family. Okay. But listen, you're super correct in thinking big claws, ears, lots of fur, you know? It's in the vicinity. Close enough. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) He got close enough to the idea of cats and was like, nah, I'm good. (laughs) No thanks, Tom. (laughs) Loved being Jean Valjean. (laughs) He's had to wear uh, body suits in the past, and maybe maybe spandex was just one step too far. Yeah, that's true. No amount of spandex is worth it, probably. (laughs) So I I do want to ask, you said you went to your, like, like the opening night show and you went with some friends. Do you typically rewatch it with friends, or do you, like, just kind of rewatch it by yourself, or you like try to bring new people into it like what has been your like sharing experience with this movie so i don't necessarily ever want to watch it alone (laughs) which is which is what i did today i think misery loves company in a certain aspect and like bringing people into the phenomena and being like let me be your jellical sherpa and i will walk (laughs) you through the experience of cats is kind of how I see it. But the, yeah, so the first time I saw it was with friends. The second time I saw it was actually on a first date with someone. Um, <laughs> and it went, it went great. It was a great date. That's good. Uh, he loved it. He was meowing afterwards. And I was like, this is tight. We love it. <laughs> and then I made my roommate watch it the day that it came out on streaming. And she was not interested in watching it but she's a good friend i don't know how much she actually paid attention i do know that she didn't enjoy it but that probably has a lot to do with the fact that anytime i watch it for the next week i'll like wander around the house and be like jellical cats come out tonight and i'll like sing it and like i'll go into her room and be like the jellical moon is shining bright jellicals go to the jellical ball and it like gets more excited and she i don't think enjoys that as much as maybe i do so um, fair i don't i don't blame her to be frank but you know a little support would be nice but yeah it's usually like My one friend who's morbidly curious, and I'm like, hey, you want to watch Cats? (laughs) I mean, Emily, even earlier today, when we were DMing, I was like, hey, we should watch this together. I'm trying to to drag you into the void of Cats. So you may be consumed with me. <laughs> this is something that I have noticed about everyone that I have that I have known or that I follow on Twitter who has seen cats and enjoyed the experience of cats for whatever ineffable reason. Um, but they, 
that they are are really driven to pull other people into the Katsiverse, like specifically people who do not want to be dragged. I'm very curious about that. Like, what makes you want to show this to, to other people other than just the company? Like, what makes you look at a person and think this person needs to experience cats? I think every person needs to experience cats. <laughs> I think it's a character building exercise, if nothing else. But a more, a more that's a boring answer. A more harebrained theory. And this is another sad confession. I had a dream last night and I don't remember the dream, but apparently I woke up. I don't remember this and texted myself. I'm not going to bother to try to find the text, but it was essentially like cats is an allegory or Yeah, like an allegory or a fable for uh, a person that feels like an outcast finding themselves in a community, but the community itself is not great for them and is in fact dangerous and... Perhaps that is a little bit about what, like, cats is. Like, you you aren't sure, and then you approach this thing, and there's a big community around it, and there's camaraderie, but it's not a good thing to be a part of. <laughs> You're not becoming better as a person for being a jellical in this instance, because maybe you'll get picked by Judy Dench, and then you'll die. You know, whatever. <laughs> sure. Cats and Midsommar are basically the same movie when you really <laughs> think about the plot. I don't know if that's a real comparison but that's what I feel in my heart and so maybe it's just this idea of like come into our community experience this with us there's like joy and camaraderie with it is it gonna make you a better person no (laughs) but are you gonna feel welcomed yes so maybe that's maybe that's something it very much feels like the the weird um god I promise this is gonna make sense it feels like Malort and like it's malort is bad but like the point is that it's bad and every it's like a weird like i don't even i don't want to say hazing it's just like a weird ritual to be like oh you've never had it it's horrible like try it like (laughs) i mean i did just compare cats to midsommar so i'm with you but that you might actually be onto something because there's a um principle that so i studied communications in school and there's this thing called cognitive dissonance where basically like the brain has a really hard time reconciling uh certain aspects like of your reality versus your experience so hazing and frats is a really great example the reason that hazing is so prominent in a lot of greek life is if it like happens to other people that are higher up in the organization and they experienced it it's really hard to reconcile the idea that other people that are coming into this organization could not suffer and then still get as much out of it as them because they had to suffer. And so, oh, well, you have to go through this because it will make this experience more true and wonderful. And like, it's what I had to experience or like the people that are upset about student loans being forgiven or not and being like, well, I had to pay back my debt. So you do too. And it's like, mm-hmm shut up fuck off (laughs) and so like maybe that might have something to do with it where it's like if i had to experience cats to live through this time you also have to experience this because if i didn't have to go through this and watch this well then what does that mean for the implications of the rest of my life like i didn't if i didn't have to suffer well then why did i (laughs) well and and it's like that like camaraderie in that tragedy right it's like i want to share Uh this experience so that we can bond via this experience yeah that's that's a much more positive way of looking at it and (laughs) that's probably more accurate sure but 
You got your daily dose of social science. <laughs> Ding. <laughs> that said, yeah, I think it's just like, it's fun. It's stupid. And it's, uh, you know, in times of, of chaos, such as the ones that we are living in, it's really nice to just talk about a silly movie about cats, you know? Like, if you can just really dig in and, like, think about the Jellicles for a little while, well, you know what? Might as well. <laughs> it's a nice escape. It's good. It's fun. Is that maybe part of the appeal of talking about it? Because, like, it's so inherently absurd, I think. You can have a conversation about things about it that are bad or that are good, but they can be at least marginally divorced from the discourse with a capital D that, that I think is, yeah, that is kind of, you know, it is an important conversation to have, but in many ways the way that we've expressed that conversation has been very toxic for us as people and for our experience in communities and our experience with art the idea that you know somehow you have to justify taking something apart and like maybe maybe if cats is already taking itself apart you don't feel bad about it you don't have to have it be complicated you don't have to have there be a right or wrong answer because everybody knows it's bad so you can enjoy the things about it that are bad without feeling like they're tied to some kind of necessary social justice yeah no i I definitely think that that is uh, very insightful, but also like very accurate. You don't have to worry about, you know, Skimbleshanks being problematic and, mm -hmm. and getting like flamed for it. You can just kind of experience something for what it is without worrying about the discourse or the world or like the political ramifications for the Jellicle Ball. Like it's very much just like, this is a thing. And it's a weird thing. And we can approach this decontextualized for the most part from society and from what we're experiencing in a way that is very true, like, escapism. There are so many pieces of media that you, like, I mean, pretty much every piece of media you can't. And even technically with cats, like, you could if you really put some energy into it. But, you know, it's just like cats dancing. <laughs> and that's, that's perfectly fine sometimes. Like, we don't have to be the ultimate warrior for justice, although I'm definitely one of those folks that, that cares a lot about, you know, the politics of what I'm consuming. Sometimes it's nice to turn brain off and laugh at funny cat dance. <laughs> right, <laughs> Sometimes right. you need something that's like cathartically bad. Yeah. I think we can all get behind the idea of just like having a good time. I think we could all use having a good time and laughing at something terrible that isn't the planet or politics or health or any of that stuff. It's like, oh, we can just chill for a little bit and that can be nice too <laughs> i feel like we touched on the like elevator pitch portion like a little earlier so i don't want to re i don't want us to rehash that question but i will ask Anne if you have some like hypothetical i, I don't I, even I know do. what hype oh gosh no, i don't I even do. know what you could ask in, in, <laughs> in this, i'm terrified for what this is this nightmare <laughs> realm that we're in of cats yeah i mean i know i figured this one out really early oh god so if you had to perform at the jellicle ball what would your uh what would your cat song be about oh gosh First, I feel like I have to conceptualize a cat Sona, you know? <laughs> what kind of cat would I be? So I think that if I were a cat, I would probably be like a bodega cat that just kind of like hangs out, gets attention from folks as they stroll on by, nips a piece of salami every now and again, and enjoys a, a wonderful treatment from the guests. A pretty easy life, but you know, still one that involves some street smarts. And I guess if I were a bodega 
a cat, the song would probably be about sort of living that life and all of the beautiful people in the city on how much I, I enjoy that. I don't think there's a cat equivalent to like being an anxious artist in the Midwest. <laughs> so I guess in the cat's world, probably be like, look at my beautiful city and all these people that like to feed me little pieces of meat. I said salami, and I didn't realize that I accidentally created the <laughs> cat can have little say. salami as a treat. But I, that might good. play well with the TikTok teens. So the lyrics, maybe just, that's, you know. I mean, yeah, they they come right to me. It's like poetry. <laughs> I'm looking forward to this rousing performance in the sequel to Cats that will be made uh, in in the uncertain future. Cats to heavier side layer. <laughs> Ooh, that's great. I was trying to think of a pun with electric boogaloo, but that's so much better. <laughs> two cats, too furious. <laughs> Wait, two cats, too furious. Oh, there we go. We, yes, we've done it. Pew, TM, pew, TM, pew. TM. Bria, thank you so much for sharing this beautiful piece of art with us and your experience with it. it this has been a delight. Oh, it's it's been so fun. Thank you so much for enabling me this way. <laughs> I really appreciate it. Of course, anytime. Where can people find you on the internet? What things do you want to plug? This is your space, so please feel free to use it. Most people can find me. I'm on Twitter and Instagram a lot. Those are my main platforms. Uh, same username. It's the void and more uh, and spelled out. And yeah, come hang if you like art and puns and apparently cats content. <laughs> well, thank you so much again. This was great. Yeah, thank yeah, you thank guys. You. This is this is wonderful. Wonderful. <laughs> you guys are my jellical choice. Oh. Wait, you want us to die? Oh no. Yeah, oh god. <laughs> well, uh, that's my cue, guys. <laughs> See you later. Thanks for listening to Guilty Treasures. You can follow us on Twitter at TreasuresCast. If you have questions or comments, hit us up there or at our email, guiltytreasurescast at gmail.com. Or let us know how you're feeling with a rousing tap dance number. If you have a moment, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or whatever website or app you use. And if you like the show, tell a friend. Or tell Old Deuteronomy that we're your jellical choice. Until next time, let the dragon in your heart or the cat dressed as a dragon in spandex in your heart be happy. Thank you.